Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com. Join as always, by the managing editor, Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, we are now less than two weeks from the start of the Texas Longhorns football season. We are actually approaching week zero in college football. Casey Thompson and the Nebraska Cornhuskers are playing this Saturday in Dublin, Ireland. How did we not get that assignment? I don't know. I have no idea. But the good thing is, Chip, is football is almost here. So it's almost hard not to, you know, um, worry about the things we don't have and be excited about what we do have, which is a football season coming up. And as you mentioned, yeah, this I think the when do they play Saturday? It's Saturday, 1130 a.m. from Dublin. Yeah. Casey's been talking a lot about the talent differentials and depth between Texas and Nebraska. So Uh-oh. I guess we'll all see it on display this Saturday. That's right. Time to yeah. stop talking and start doing. <laughs> and uh, speaking of starting talking and or stop talking and start doing, we had an emergency podcast when it was announced that Quinn Ewers would be the starting quarterback for the Texas Longhorns. If you have not listened to that, it's a masterpiece, people. (laughs) So get over to the flagship podcast, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple, uh, Spotify, whatever, and check that out. And while you're at it, check out the interview uh, we did with Joel Klatt. Fox lead college football analyst talking about all things Texas, Big 12. He even has some interesting thoughts about Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. That seems to be making the rounds, gone viral, as they say. And, of course, Joel always has a thought or two about the general landscape and future of college football. So make sure you check that out, kids. And today... We are going to sink our teeth into uh, what Steve Sarkeesian said on Monday when he talked about his decision to name Quinn Ewers the starting quarterback, Taylor. And, um, of course, that just blinding arm talent that Quinn Ewers has that made him the number one recruit in the 2021 recruiting cycle. Uh, But I also thought it, it was interesting that uh, you know, Steve Sarkeesian talks about it's the quarterback's job to give the team, coaches and players hope and belief that they're going to win games. And he felt like Quinn Ewers uh, checked that box as well, Taylor. Yeah, he did. And and he you know, the other thing that he did mention as one of the reasons that he did go with um, with Quinn Ewers over Hudson Card is Quinn Ewers' passing ability, which is, Chip, what we've been kind of talking about a lot this offseason. Now, it wasn't, you know, a knock on Hudson Card's passing ability, but I think it all kind of played back into the fact of the style of offense that Steve Sarkeesian wants to run. He tried to run it last year at Texas, probably unsuccessfully, 
if you look at the record, the offense was successful though at times, but still, you know, his, the quarterbacks he did have on hand were more dual threat quarterbacks that would fit more into like a spread style of offense, which is not what Steve Sarkeesian runs. So Quinn Ewers says, we've said it, I mean, agnosia basically right now if you go back to december of 2021 how many times we talk about the fact that quinn ewers is the prototypical type of quarterback that steve sarkeesian would ultimately always want to have at his disposal with the style of offense that he does run so yeah i mean i think um it the timing of i was a little surprised that steve sarkeesian announced it prior to the second scrimmage of fall camp chip personally but at the same time, I think, you know, Steve Sarkeesian really wanted everybody to stop asking, even inside the locker room, you know, they're, they're, that's kind of a distraction a little bit as they're entering, you know, game week prep. So um, I don't think it was too big of a shock. I would say the timing was a little bit of a shock. But I mean, what was your takeaway on what Steve Sarkeesian had to say about the whole decision making process? Yeah, he said that when he said to the media on on Thursday that he had a pretty good idea who his starting quarterback was going to be, but he, he wanted to, he said, but these guys are competing. And, and so, you know, he was going to let it play out. And then, you know, he said he woke up the next morning. Uh, there was a practice that morning and he told the quarterbacks after that practice uh, what his decision was going to be. And he said he felt good about it. Now, the interesting thing is, Taylor, he and I said this when we did the emergency podcast, I think uh, he wanted not only everyone on the team to know, but he wanted to see how Quinn Ewers handled uh, being the starting quarterback in that scrimmage. And and he he completed, according to Steve Sarkeesian, he completed a high percentage of passes through a couple of touchdown passes, but also suffered a couple of interceptions and took a safety when they were uh, coming off their own one yard line. And I give Steve Sarkeesian credit for talking about the interceptions. He, he kind of broke them down. He said that the first was uh, a protection breakdown that caused uh, Quinn Ewers pass to be hurried. And the second was, he said a, a bad third down matchup. So Listen, we've talked about the fact that Quinn Ewers had some interceptions in the spring um, and and he's had interceptions in fall camp. So is Hudson Card. Uh, but what Steve Sarkeesian said, the most important, he said, and this is critical, he said the most important thing is Quinn Ewers the next five days, meaning this week, this week, leading up to game week, as you mentioned, how comfortable can he get in the coaches identifying exactly what he's most comfortable with and in what down and distances so that they can put this game plan together for Louisiana Monroe and then continue to grow, help him grow, help him build the things that he does well so that that playbook expansion continues as this season gets going. In other words, Quinn Ewers needs to be a completely different quarterback by the time we get to game six than he is on September 3rd. And it needs to be a lot better uh, because as Steve Sarkeesian said, and this was the first thing he said, Taylor, and I felt like Texas fans may or may not hear this when Sarkeesian said, we're going to have growing pains. You know, we're, we're going to have growing pains. We're, uh, come we're on. Not Texas fans are going to hear that chip. Let's be real. Here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they're going to see it whether they hear yeah. it or not, but, yeah. um, you know, he, he said, we're, we're not only relatively young at quarterback, we're a relatively young team. And so, uh, folks, that means, uh, next year, but no, we'll see. I mean, let's see what Quinn Ewers can do because, um, He's he's an unbelievable talent. I mean, I, I we talked about Glenn Smith, the former Cowboys assistant coach. He's a he's an assistant uh, in the USFL right now. He he coached the Cowboys when Troy Aikman was there. He's helped develop quarterbacks in the Dallas Fort Worth area. He's very familiar 
with Quinn Ewers. And he said, and he's been to APAC in Fort Worth where he trains, where Patrick Mahomes trains. And, and he talks about this kid's ability to put the nose of the football, the nose of the football, meaning an absolutely tight spiral into tiny windows and, and how difficult that is and, and not having his feet set like Mahomes that he can sling it while falling backward. He can sling it while moving, um, which is huge. I think for, uh, you know, when you're starting to think about an offensive line, that's going to have some new faces, freshmen, potential breakdowns, talk about growing pains. You better have a quarterback who can slide, who can get out of the pocket. You can roll the pocket. You can bootleg and waggle and get him on the move throwing that football because if he's as accurate on the move as he is standing in the pocket, uh, a.k.a. Colt McCoy, then you got a chance because we saw Colt McCoy do wonders in 08 and 09 with not much on the offensive line in front of him. So um, we're not there yet. I'm not comparing Quinn Ewers to – a 2008 or nine version of, of Colt McCoy far from it. I mean, if you go back and look at freshman years of quarterbacks at Texas, um, you know, Shane Bouchelle is probably the last one that you'd look at and say, okay, that that's kind of a similar comparison. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Bouchelle did pretty well and, and still didn't throw for, for 3000 yards, but, um, Quinn Ewers, you don't, you don't know what to, to say about what his ceiling or, or what kind of numbers this guy could put up because he throws that deep ball so well, Taylor, I, I get a feeling we're going to have some real highlights this year on deep ball touchdowns because Quinn Ewers is special at, and, you know, Glenn Smith talked about getting that nose of the football to, to just descend right into the hands of the receiver, uh, which Shane Bouchelle was really good at. You know, some guys throw a flat line deep ball where the, the nose of the football is still pointed toward the marching band Right. when the receiver catches it. This guy can drop it in the bucket. And and I think it's going to be, uh, there's going to be some, some, you know, car accident type plays, but there's going to be some dynamic highlight reel type plays. And, and we'll see if this defense can be any better uh, this year to help keep Texas in some of these games. Yeah. And I mean, everything you're saying, I mean, that's that's exactly what you have heard about Quinn Ewers as a recruit. But the problem is, and just, you know, all offseason, the problem is we haven't seen it in years. I mean, that that's the that's the reality. It's not that's not a knock on him or anything, but with him, you know, reclassifying to the 2021 signing class and him not playing that senior year of high school, it's kind of easy. And then even his junior year, having that injury too, where he missed a lot of games, it's kind of easy to forget the type of things that he was able to do. And I know it's a totally different ball game when you're talking about high school and college, but I think, I mean, when you, when you compare it to uh, Shane Bouchelle, excuse me, um, Shane Bouchelle in 20, 2016, his freshman year starting, he, uh, completed 236 passes for 391 yards, 11 interceptions, but almost 3,000 yards. If you're a Texas fan, Chip, would you take those numbers for Quinn Ewers in year one? Yeah, I mean, 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. I think he'll throw for more touchdowns than that. Um, yeah, and hopefully he's not on a 5-7 and seven team, too. That was the other thing with uh, Shane Bouchelle was on a 5-7 team. I, I think Quinn Ewers will be over 3,000 yards passing is if he stays healthy and and plays, you know, as the starter for all 12 regular season games. Um, and, you know, you're hoping Texas is bowl eligible and he'll get a 13th game. Um, so, yeah, I, I think those are the kinds of numbers that you're looking at and, and you could draw a fair – comparison for Quinn Ewers because Sam Ellinger's freshman year, he split time with Shane Bouchelle um, in 2017. And then in 2018, you know, Ellinger's, you know, a sophomore who's had, uh, you know, six starts under his belt. So I think that Shane Bouchelle comparison is probably the right one. Uh, you mentioned it, 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, uh, 2,900 uh, in 58 yards passing, I, I do think Quinn Ewers will be 
over 3,000 yards passing because I think that's, I mean, this kid's special when it comes to delivering the football. And, um, you know, the biggest thing for him, Taylor, and this is where Steve Sarkeesian said it, uh, he said, we have got to put him in the right position. We have to identify what he does best and make sure that we're, you know, putting him in those plays, not getting him in situations where he doesn't know what he's looking at and, and making the big mistake and, and losing confidence. You, you don't want that. And that's um, the one thing I think Steve Sarkeesian is going to look at and say, because uh, we talked about the, the pick sixes that Hudson card threw last week in the first scrimmage and in uh, that open Tuesday practice and whether or not Steve Sarkeesian had flashbacks to the Kansas game, you know, Quinn Ewers, we got to see how he handles adversity and really this whole team. I mean, everyone's asking me, how's Texas? How's Texas? We don't know. We won't know until we see them uh, confronted with adversity, how they handle it. Do they come together? Do they look, you know, down at their shoes? What are they doing? Um, and, you know, Quinn Ewers is going to be a big part of the, the mojo on that offense even with all that skill talent, Bijan Robinson, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, you know, how Quinn Ewers carries himself is going to uh, greatly impact those guys and how they, how they approach it and how this team feels. You know, Rod Wright talked about seeing Vince Young uh, in that Oklahoma State game back in 2005 when they were, you know, trailing big at halftime and Vince Young came out, ran for 80 yards and a touchdown. And, he, and Rod Wright was like, okay, I knew we were fine. Um, that quarterback has a huge impact on the entire team and the entire team's belief as to whether they're going to come back in a game or take the lead in a game or keep the lead in a game. So um, it's going to be fun to watch because I think, obviously, the ceiling is is enormous for, for Quinn Ewers. Yeah, and we talked about this in the emergency podcast a little bit, but going back to when we had Riley Dodge on the flagship podcast, you know, he did um, earlier this year, he did talk about Quinn Ewers always was kind of the cool, calm and collective type of guy to the point to where sometimes Riley Dodge would have to check himself because he was more fiery than the quarterback. But that may be exactly what Texas needs. The The problem is, Chip, it, you, you kind of hit it like, you know, earlier in what you were saying about the adversity thing, not only do we not know how this team's going to respond to adversity? We only have basically based off of last year, but Texas has what 35 new players on the roster. I mean, it's almost an entirely different team that's going to be fielded. So we don't know anything right now. All we can base it off of is what we've seen. That's not good for Texas, but the good thing is that what we you know do know is there's, there's new players, there's new blood there. And then hearing what Riley Dodge did have to say on the flagship interview. Um, when was that back in the spring? I think it was, hearing about how Quinn Ewers kind of carries himself on the sideline. A part of me kind of thinks that maybe what Texas was lacking last year, and I'm that's, this is not me before anybody jumps down my throat for saying this. This is not me knocking Hudson Card or Casey Thompson. But either way, both of them were kind of, you know, first-year starters, even though Casey Thompson did have some experience. And I'm not sure that they knew how to be that leader on the field. And so this is going to be really fascinating to see how Quinn Ewers does it um, once he, you know, does actually take the field at Texas. But they, they're they going to have to figure it out pretty short, Chip, because Alabama comes to town week two. And I think that one thing that if you're a Texas fan out there, what you don't want to see is what happened to Hudson Card against Arkansas in week two of the 2021 season where things started breaking down and he started breaking himself down, you know, and you've talked about it, Bijan Robinson having to kind of pick him up on the sideline being like, Hey, you can't sit with your head down. That I don't think is necessarily a Hudson card thing. I think that's a young player thing. Now what you're hoping is if Alabama comes out and, you know, likely I think is in most people are going to expect them to win. But if things start going in the opposite direction of Texas, how Quinn Ewers is going to, to react to it. And I think we all will see that, you know, where, how he's going to be in on the sideline when things are not going his way, when Alabama comes to town. Cause I think it's almost certain that that's almost probably going to play out at some point. 
Yeah, I mean, look, Alabama is the number one team in the country. And I think back to 2003 when Vince Young um, took the field against Oklahoma and made some amazing plays, some zigzagging runs down the field and lost the game 65 to 13. I mean, if you turn the ball over against an elite team, you will get run. Mm -hmm. And there's a real possibility that that's going to happen against Alabama. I'm not saying it will, um, but it could because Alabama is, I mean, Nick Saban said they were rebuilding last year. They went to the national championship game and had the Heisman Trophy winner and a, a finalist in Will Anderson on the defensive side. They were rebuilding according to Nick Saban this year, they're number one. So look, that's, you want to, you just want to be in it with guys who are, are, are connected to each other, to their coaches, to their school, who are, who love football, who care about each other, care about the outcome of the game and are willing to fight to the end. And I think that's, that's what you're looking for. You're looking to see how that offense response to adversity, response to a turnover. Uh, can they come back and make plays and and continue to feed that belief uh, within that locker room? Because that's that's everything, Taylor. I mean, you can you can get beat 65 to 13 and and go on to win a national championship or go to a Rose Bowl the next year and win a national championship two years later. If that belief is in there and that confidence and that that willingness to to fight to the end and learn from the mistakes so that you're not making the same mistakes twice. Um, Cause there's a lot of really interesting young talent on this team. And, you know, everyone knows about uh, Xavier worthy and Jordan Winnington, Bijan Robinson, but how about Steve Sarkeesian saying that uh, sophomore tight end Jatavian Sanders has not only the most improved player, from a year ago, but has the best hands on the team. Yeah. I like how he kind of said, like, I know that Bijan and Xavier are not going to be too happy with this comment before he did say that, but yeah, he said that you're right. And that's, I mean, that's another guy and look, and this is why I asked Steve Sarkeesian this question about his flex tight ends, his tight ends period with Isaiah Nair going down with that season ending knee injury, is it possible that one of your tight ends is among the top three pass catchers on your team? Just from a confidence level, from a coach's confidence in that player as a pass catcher. And he said, we like our tight ends. We like them a lot. Feel really good about that group. And that's a question mark group because we know Cade Brewer was doing the the dirty work at that position last year. Now it's going to be new faces. You bring in Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama as a flex tight end. Your two H-back blocking tight ends are Jatavian Sanders and Gunnar Helm. But Steve Sarkeesian feels good about this group. So I can't wait. We know Sarkeesian can find the tight end in the passing yeah. game. I can't wait to see it. We haven't seen it in since seems like David Thomas. But um, I'm saying, I don't know in my career or when I was even a student at Texas, if there was a major impact tight end. I mean, I can't think of one. Can you? No, I mean, they, it's been a, it's been sort of a, well, it's been a, like a lot of things about Texas football sort of lost in the desert for the last decade. So, uh, you know, Jatavian Sanders, obviously an unbelievable athlete. And we, we talked about, Jeff Banks, the tight ends, special teams coordinator, getting on him, just really getting on him uh, the first week of spring football saying, you know, your physicality is not where it should be and really challenged him. And from that point forward, they've seen a more physical Jatavian Sanders because last year at this time, it was all Gunnar Helm, Gunnar Helm. I mean, Gunnar Helm was the guy who was willing to give up his body and, and be physical, be grimy. And then it clicked for Jatavian Sanders. Now we got to see it in games. We saw the kids got some hands. We saw it in the spring game. Of course he got stripped by Jaron Thompson, but um, 
you know, he, he can make that, he can make that dynamic catch. And he changed his number from number three to number zero. Cause he said that DeMarvin Overshawn is rocking zero so well that he wanted to rock it and be the, be Overshawn's twin. I always say Overshawn. I need to say Overshawn. Overshawn's twin on the other side of the ball, Taylor, but he's not going with all those little wristbands that, that Overshawn <laughs> goes with. How- how much of that number change was really because Quinn Ewers came in and had yeah. number three though. Yeah. But still, Let's I mean, that's, yeah, that, that's a, not necessarily a bad thing. And, and I'm excited to see what Jatavian Sanders can do. Um, Cause earlier this year, Steve Sarkeesian was talking about how Jatavian Sanders was more of a, a flex type of tight end, even in high school. And then also was playing defensive line too. So having to block somebody coming in or, you know, be anything more than just basically big body receiver. I think a lot was not in his, um, his vocabulary as a true freshman. And I think a lot of Texas fans wanted to see more out of him as true freshman year, but that type of stuff takes time. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're playing more essentially kind of more of a hybrid wide receiver role in high school or on defense where you're trying to, be the one pressuring the quarterback, not being the one to help stop it. If it, you know, that breaks down and it gets to his level there. I mean, it's a totally different skill set that he had to learn essentially and learn quickly and an elite level. And I do love that. The fact that when Jeff Banks told us the story about Tavian Sanders, how he just called him out after that first spring and just called it like it was. And then he responded the way that he did that to me tells me that this kid's going to be legit because that's something you can't teach. There are certain things in sports in general that you can't teach and your want to, your will to, and your will to honestly, a lot of times to be like, you say, I'm not doing my job. I'm going to prove to you wrong. And I'm going to be the one coming out and having the biggest turnaround. That to me speaks volumes of the type of mental player that he is. And he obviously has the physical skill set. So I'm really excited to see what Jatavian Sanders can do this year and how C. Sarkeesian utilizes him um, as in the tight end position. Yeah, because think of Jared Wiley, 6'7", 251, looked like a absolute NFL tight end, but didn't like the blocking. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, he was a quarterback in high school. And some guys can can get there, some guys can't. And we'll see because there's going to be a play or two where Jatavian Sanders is going to have to block Will Anderson in that Alabama game. And look, Jatavian Sanders is a is an athlete. He's got great feet. He should be able to stay in front of Will Anderson and at least make it hard. You know, he's not just going to whiff because Sanders has got great feet. And that's the other thing is that when you have to when you come from high school and you were a flex tight end slash receiver and suddenly you've got to learn to block like an offensive lineman it does take time we've heard that i mean steve sarkeesian said quarterback and offensive line hardest positions to play as freshmen well when you're going to be a blocking tight end you're you're essentially the sixth offensive lineman and it's going to take a minute and so i'm interested to see both sanders and helm because i think helm's getting overlooked here he may not have you know, the smooth hands and, you know, smooth release of, of Sanders, but Gunnar Helm will, he'll, he'll get in there. He'll get his face mask dirty. And I think he's also going to be a real asset to this football team going forward. And we know from watching Iowa state and some of these other programs, you can't have enough talented tight ends because they create incredible mismatch problems when you've got, special ones who can get down the field and catch the football as well. So it's going to be fun. We know, we know Steve Sarkeesian is creative, can get different guys, the the football. And, and now you're going to have a quarterback in Quinn Ewers who can, you know, make crazy throws uh, from every arm slot uh, without having his feet set with defenders draped all over him. Hopefully, um, you know, he just continues to get comfortable more and more comfortable in that offense. Because as we've said, Steve Sarkeesian sort of betting on himself. Ewers may not be a finished product in this offense, not even close. We know he's not, 
No. He's and if learning. anybody expected that, then you need to lower your expectations right. a little bit. Right. So Steve Sarkeesian is betting on himself to get his, you know, his uh, knowledge in the offense to grow while keeping him in plays that he does really well early in the season uh, while that knowledge of the offense and comfortability grows. Like I said, by the OU game, Quinn Ewers needs to be a different quarterback than the one that starts against Louisiana Monroe. And, and so student of the game, working with a great quarterback developer uh, and offensive mind, this should be a really fun um, developmental relationship to watch, to say the least. Yes, absolutely. Chip, should we talk a little bit about injuries here? Yes. Coming? Yeah. Yes. So, so go ahead. I'll let no, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, we haven't had a chance to touch on this yet, but I think the biggest injury news coming out of that second scrimmage that Texas fans were worried about was that of uh, a, fr a true freshman left tackle, Calvin Banks. He left the scrimmage. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian did say that he had an ankle injury, but said it was minor and that he probably was going to be returning to practice on Tuesday. We're recording on Tuesday right now. So that's a big one, but it sounds like everybody else pretty much for the most part is coming, um, is coming back, including Roshan Johnson, Cole Hudson, Troy O'Meara, and Jade Barron. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the Kelvin Banks ankle injury with the big guys, you just got to keep an eye on it because those ankle and foot injuries can linger because these guys are so big. And so we'll see if Calvin Banks is a quick healer or not. Um, we've seen situations where, uh, you know, guys play with, with an ankle injury and then it's, you know, it gets worse, whatever. So you just have to watch that situation. It does sound like Banks is going to be fine, but he left that scrimmage um, and, and did not return. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that situation because Taylor, he's going to be the starter at left tackle. Yeah. Uh, to start the season. Um, that's, that's the trajectory this guy's on and he's, he's a special talent. And I wrote about him in the insider a couple of weeks ago and, uh, everybody needs to get over horns 24 seven and read that because this guy is, he's sage and tough and smart and a leader beyond his years as a true freshman. And I can't wait to watch big 78, uh, grow in that role because I think Texas in a year from now, two years from now is going to have um, just a, an unbelievable offensive line. And that's going to be uh, fun to watch because you get to, you get to see it uh, evolve. But um, yeah, Cole Hudson returning from a, from an ankle injury uh, in the very first scrimmage of fall camp is a big deal too, because this is a guy who was, who was, uh, headed towards starting at right guard or left guard, wherever junior Angelau wasn't, uh, now it's probably going to be Cole Hudson or DJ Campbell and Hayden Connor at guard. And, and then you got Jake majors who's, who's, you know, a sophomore and he's the veteran in that group along with Christian Jones. I, I don't know how long Christian Jones can hang on to a starting spot, quite honestly, Taylor, but, We'll see because if if Andre Carrick is not at at left tackle, do you swing him over to right tackle? Uh, what about Cameron Williams, the six seven, three hundred seventy four pound freshman, uh, who's just, I mean, all of six foot seven, three hundred seventy four pounds. <laughs> yeah, and Christian Jones, you know, talking about how the guy is just an earth mover. So. It's going to be fun to watch that offensive line. A little scary at times, I'm sure, but um, growing pains and knowing that there's brighter days ahead with that group because that is a talented, talented group. Yeah, that's uh, what I was going to say. The growing pains also, I mean, we can hit on it as much as possible to try to nail it into Texas fans, you know, heads that are listening, but it's not just quarterback. It's across the board. I think offensive line may have, the most growing pains. Well, maybe one A, one B between that and quarterback. So, but you're right. The future is bright at both positions, honestly, in my opinion. 
and uh, it may not be right now, but you you hope these guys can get out there and really just continue to progress, um, especially offensive linemen as well, because these are these are no scrubs. You know, I mean, we can uh, Texas has signed some decent offensive linemen, but they haven't really panned out. I don't think there's any question that these guys are going to eventually pan out, but don't give up on them in year one if there are some whiffs, some growing pains, some ups and downs, because these guys, I mean, when you see them in person, it's it's different. It's a different style of offensive lineman that they are bringing in than what we have seen in recent years at Texas. Week-to-week week improvement. Mm -hmm. The sign of a well-coached team is week-to-week week improvement. Can we please see that yeah. in 2022? Uh, and that leads us to the defense, Taylor. We are, you know, we've talked all about the offense, the quarterback, and yet the defense is still the biggest question mark for this football team based on what happened last year. And, you know, we keep hearing, okay, you know, you've got better linebacker play, Jalen Ford, uh, Diamante, Tucker Dorsey, David Benda, freeing up DeMarvian Overshawn to rush the passer. Ovia Gofu's taking a step. Um, you know, Baron Sorrell could be a breakout player. Heck, even Ethan Burke, the six foot seven Westlake, uh, you know, defensive end was getting some, some second team and even a couple first team reps in that open practice on Tuesday. Uh, Jatavian Sanders saying, Burke is stronger at the point of attack than he thought, got beat on a play uh, by Burke. I mean, you know, Jamon Tapp is a guy I can't wait to see. And and yet, you know, we keep hearing about Deshaun Jameson having the camp of, of all camps. He keeps picking off these quarterbacks. Jaron Thompson's had some interceptions. And Taylor, I'm going to believe it all when I see it. Because exactly that defense how last year was so hard to watch in the second half of football games that you just you really had to watch through your fingers because you just didn't know what was coming next yeah no doubt about it and the i mean i i think the one thing when it, you talk about the defense in second half of games last year i know people don't want to hear it but i also think that the time of possession differential in most of those games was far going against Texas and the defense couldn't get off the field. The offense couldn't stay on the field. It was just the, the whole adversity striking. And it was like everybody, it was like, you know, turning the the lights on and seeing the cockroaches scurry, you know, all over the place. And that's kind of what it was because there, when one thing went wrong, it almost went wrong across the board. And so you hope that that won't be the case, you know, this year on defense, you hope the offense can stay on the field a little bit more if you're a Texas fan than if the defense is struggling a little bit. But I'm right there with you, Chip. I am going 100% and show me, don't tell me. And I'm not going to change my mind until you show me and don't tell me, not just for one game against Louisiana Monroe. Show me, don't tell me when later in the season, when things are tough when you're tired when you've been playing you know the schedule that texas has show me don't tell me that's what i'm waiting for so you're probably not going to hear much you know talk up the defense for me up until maybe mid-season and then we can assess it later but yeah i mean it's great everything's great in the off season let's see it on the field yep we're getting closer we're getting closer all right taylor we have been counting down the toughest games on texas's schedule and we started with the easiest. Um, I think we agreed, Louisiana Monroe, uh, then at Kansas, then I had TCU uh, as the third easiest game on the schedule. Mm -hmm. We were um, matching there. And then I had at Texas Tech. And then I think I had, we both- West, I had West Virginia. You're or no, excuse me. I, 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 Iowa State, excuse me, at nine. Iowa State at nine, okay. And then I think we both had UTSA. Yes. As the fifth easiest game on Texas' schedule. Then I had West Virginia. I had Texas Tech. Okay. And, uh, and then I had Iowa State. And then I had West Virginia. 
Okay. And then we both had Oklahoma. Yes. Uh, as the, uh, I guess we should say fifth, fifth. hardest. Yeah. Toughest. Yeah. <laughs> toughest game on the schedule. So now we are into the, the four hardest games on the Longhorn schedule. Drum roll. I have at number four, Baylor. Baylor. November uh, 2nd, the 20th. defending Big 12 25th. champion. 25th. Oh, how am I doing? <laughs> that's the Black Friday game. That's this right. Year, that's the, day after that's the uh, last game of the season. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Uh, Black mm -hmm. Friday game against the Baylor Bears, the defending Big 12 champions. And I just think that Baylor is going to take a step back this year. Now, Taylor totally disagrees with me. And I do love uh, Siaka Ika. I think he is like, he could be the most important player on that Baylor football team. The, the nose tackle uh, who just, just is unbearable at the point of attack. I think Jake Majors has nightmares about Siaka Ika. Um, but I've got Baylor as the fourth most difficult game for the Texas Longhorns on the schedule. Taylor, what say you? I am disagreeing with that one. I have uh, Kansas State as the fourth toughest. And before we started recording I was talking to Chip and I was like, I feel like my number three and four could be flip flopped either way, but um, you'll hear why I don't have Baylor here coming up soon. But uh, yeah, I think, I think Kansas state definitely deserves either three or four of the toughest games. It's always a tough place to play. And if, and if I will say this, if Texas and Kansas state, when they play and Kansas state has pretty much, you know, a fairly healthy season leading into that game, then I would probably put this higher, like a, a more tough game than where I currently have it. But as it currently stands, I'm going to have K-State at the fourth toughest game for Texas. Okay. And I have K-State as the third most difficult game for the Texas Longhorns. Uh, for what you just said, Taylor, in addition to them having six preseason all big 12 players, uh, including Felix. I just call him Felix because I can't pronounce his last name. Um, <laughs> I'm not even going to try. <laughs> the best, arguably the best pass rusher in the Big 12. Um, they've got guys up front on the offensive line as well, who are and Deuce Vaughn and Malik Knowles, receiver. And now you bring in Adrian Martinez. I don't know what to make of Adrian Martinez. Uh, you know, the kid never led a game-winning drive in four years at Nebraska, had 16 lost fumbles in addition to his interceptions. Does he, you know, his girlfriend is at K-State. He he goes to K-State. Is it is it such a fresh start? I mean, the kid had to do everything, and there was not a lot of skill talent around him at running back, at receiver, nothing. And he's talked about that. Now, does playing for Colin Klein – and having some skill guys and Deuce Vaughn there, uh, does it just lead to this, you know, angels singing renaissance season for for Adrian Martinez? If so, watch out for K-State to win the Big 12. And I'm not kidding. Um, I'm not kidding. I mean, they, they know that they have a team that can contend for the Big 12 title. And all these guys leave next year. They know this is it. You know, they're going to be rebuilding next year. So Chris Kleiman, who, you know, beat LSU in the bowl game, went eight and five last year, uh, had a good offseason, obviously. Uh, if if K-State can, can get it together, uh, watch out because the schedule is, um, is favorable for K-State. I mean, they have to go to OU, but they get OU early. I always say... Um, if you're going to get OU, get them early because they tend to get better as the year goes on. We don't know what OU is going to be under Brent Venables, but, um, you know, K-State, they play Missouri, which is a winnable game, uh, for them. And then they're at Oklahoma to open big 12 play. Then they get Texas tech. Then they're at Iowa state. And then they're at TCU. I think TCU is going to be down. 
um, and they play o Oklahoma State and Texas in Manhattan. To me, uh, the Big 12, well, I shouldn't give that away right now, should I? But it wouldn't shock me if Oklahoma State and K-State are in the Big 12 championship game. I'll just say that. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and this is that's exactly why I was like kind of like torn for where I would want to put Kansas State. I am putting Baylor ahead. My main reason, I mean, it's hard for me to um, doubt Dave Aranda after the turnaround that you saw from Baylor between year one as, under you know him as a head coach, him realizing what was wrong on that staff, everything, making the necessary changes after one year, which a coordinator changes a lot of times. Coaches don't want to do that after one year because Tom Herman didn't want to do it. Yeah, because he said the percentage. That's right. Yeah. He said the percentage of of the head coach getting fired within the first five season goes up by 40%. Yeah. I mean, there's only coordinator after the first how many year. people you can point the finger at before you're pointing it back to you, you know, in the mirror when you start firing coordinators early and it paid off tremendously. The other thing that I do think that Baylor has working to its advantage is they return almost both lines of scrimmage and that those both lines of scrimmage last year were instrumental in Baylor making the run to become big 12 titles or big 12 champions, excuse me, in Dave Aranda's second season there. So that is all of that to say, I know they lost a lot, but there's no reason for me to question Dave Aranda right now because he, sh I mean, shoot, everyone was questioning Baylor's hire of Dave Aranda in his first year. And then he went from people questioning him to big 12 title or big 12 champions. I don't know why I keep saying big 12 title, big 12 champions the following year. So I have Baylor number three for all of that. Okay, number two, the second hardest game on the Longhorns schedule. I have Oklahoma State in Stillwater on October 22nd. Taylor, I don't know how Oklahoma State did not win the Big 12 championship last year with all that defensive talent. Uh, I, I, I think Mike Gundy wakes up every night in a panic thinking how on earth did we lose that big 12 title game and come up an inch short a kevin dyson arm you know extension with the football short an inch short of the uh the end zone there at the end of the game but i think the resolve inside that oklahoma state football team even with a new defensive coordinator is going to be substantial and um oklahoma state has to play at OU this year, I believe. But my point is this. I think Oklahoma State um, is is playing for the Big 12 championship, and I think that's going to be a heck of a game uh, for Texas up there in Stillwater on October 22nd. What say you? Yep, I am uh, going to agree with you on this one. And, and honestly, if you go back to that Big 12 title game last year, I mean, Spencer Sanders, I'm pretty sure he set – the record for the most interceptions thrown in a big 12 championship game in that game. I mean, he, when that's always been the thing with Spencer Sanders, when he is off, he is off when he's on, he's good. But when he's off, it's just like, turn, like, look away, look away. You don't want to see what's happening right here. But yeah, I, I think Oklahoma state definitely has a chance to make another big 12 um, title run. Um, the reason why I'm putting this one even ahead of Baylor is because Texas goes into this game. I believe this is eight straight games that Texas will have played before they hit the road for Stillwater. Yeah, because they play, right, let me make sure, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, so this is game number eight, and Texas does not have any bye weeks before this. I think after seven games, you know, of the, of the season, facing already Alabama, facing Oklahoma, and then game eight before a bye week, you go at to Stillwater to play at Oklahoma State. That to me is the reason, even though I think Baylor may be the repeat Big 12 title champions, if uh, right now I'll say that. But Oklahoma State, this game is, I think, is probably ranked ahead of it for the whole fact that Texas is literally going to be this is game eight of the year without having a single break. So that to me kind of spells disaster from, you know, looking at it um from august to me chip yeah spencer sanders four interceptions in that big 12 title game like i said how did oklahoma state lose that game 
right they were there. still driving for the game winning points despite the four interceptions. But I mean, if Spencer Sanders throws three or two yeah. or one interception, Oklahoma State wins that game. And there were um, some of those, I remember watching some of them. I was just like, what is he doing? Like they yeah. weren't just like, oh, Miss Reed is like, <laughs> like trying to throw that, the ball away straight into the opponent's hands. <laughs> that is the, the frightening aspect of yeah. Spencer Sanders. Um, kind of like Brock Purdy for Iowa State fans. Like the kid was good in the regular season, had some really big games, some big moments, but it seemed like every uh, time, every Big 12, you know, title game or when it, when something was really on the line, he he didn't come through. So, um, all right, we agree. Oklahoma State, second hardest game on Texas's schedule. The hardest game. Shocker, folks. <laughs> September number 10th. one versus number one. <laughs> the top ranked Alabama Crimson Tide rolling into Austin, Texas for that uh, 11 a.m. kickoff on September 10th. And again, make sure you listen to our flagship podcast interview with Joel Clack because he's going to be on the call for Fox and has some interesting thoughts about what playing a team like Alabama uh, so early in the season can do to your your fall camp mindset. And obviously you got the defending reigning uh, Heisman Trophy winner in Bryce Young and possibly the 2022 Heisman Trophy winner in Will Anderson. Um, enough said, Taylor. Yeah. Hope you cover. Hope they cover. If you're a Texas fan, just hope you cover. I don't know yeah. what the spread's going to be, but if it's hope shoot if you keep within two touchdowns with alabama you take that take it as a yeah you just take it so all right you ready for some love it or leave it i am before we get to love it or leave it we're going to take a really quick break but stick stay tuned because we have more football talk coming up selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Chuck, let's get going with some Love It or Leave It. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, my first one for you is... Love it or leave it, Quinn Ewers will have more touchdown passes and fewer interceptions than Casey Thompson had last season. Casey Thompson had 24 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Oh, okay. This is interesting because for all the grief that Casey Thompson took, he did lead the Big 12 in touchdown passes and is the only quarterback in Texas history to throw for five touchdowns in three separate games period, not just in a single season. He did it in a single season. I'm going to leave this, however, because I think Quinn Ewers could have more touchdown passes, but I think he'll have more interceptions. 
So I could I could see Quinn Ewers with 25, 26 touchdown passes, but maybe 10 or 11 interceptions. Taylor, what say you? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I think I'm going to – I'm also going to leave it. Um, I think that I, – I agree. I think the one thing that Texas does have a little bit more working to its advantage is a little – like some more weapons at receivers. So I think you – if you're a Texas fan, you probably hope there's more touchdown passes. But on the flip side, you're talking about a redshirt freshman who Steve Sarkeesian himself – on um, Monday this week when he was talking about Quinn Ewers, he's like, you know, he should be a true freshman. He did say he doesn't act like a true freshman because he did have the experience being in the Ohio State program, which Steve Sarkeesian spoke up very highly about. But he is still a, I mean, he hasn't played high school or he hasn't even played high school football since his junior year of high school. So yeah, I think, I think you have to expect more interceptions, but also more touchdowns too, because there's, um, you know, more people that you can spread the ball around to. So yeah, I'm going to leave it to. All right. Love it or leave it. Number two. Second one is love it or leave it. Sophomore tight end Jatavian Sanders will finish the season with 30 or more receptions and at least three receiving touchdowns. Okay. This is like incredibly tempting. Um, I can't, I mean, I think he'll have at least three receiving touchdowns. Okay, screw it. I'm just going to love it. Um, I'm going to go with Steve Sarkeesian. I'm buying that Jatavian Sanders has the great hands. So I'm going to love it. This is a lot of receptions for a tight end, by the way. Uh, but Jatavian Sanders, five-star recruit, special talent. I'm going to love this. Taylor? Uh, I think I'm going to leave it just to go back to what we were talking about. Like, I don't think I've ever really seen a tight end be a, a major difference maker. Now, I know I'm comparing apples to oranges by saying that because I'm talking about completely different coaching staffs, completely different personnel, all of that. So, but just since I I haven't seen it, I'm going to I'm going to leave it because I think the 30 or more reception seems like a lot with the other guys that may get the ball in this offense. I don't, I feel like I could maybe see three receiving touchdowns, but the 30 receptions is where you kind of get me there. So I'm going to leave it. Okay. Uh, right. Love it or leave it. Number three. Last one. Love it or leave it. Steve Sarkeesian will get his first signature win at Texas this season, which will come against the Oklahoma Sooners. I mean, Sarkeesian needs a signature win. He doesn't have one yet. And obviously, uh, beating Oklahoma uh, is always a nice uh, elixir when it comes to the uh, fan base. Tom Herman beat OU in year two with Dicker the Kicker's help in that incredible 48-45 win. Charlie Sarke Strong beat Oklahoma in year two also. There you go. So yes, I'm loving this. I'm loving it. If Charlie Strong can do it and Tom Herman can do it, Steve Sarkeesian can do it. I will love this. I think Texas beats Oklahoma and uh, and Steve Sarkeesian gets his signature win. Taylor, what say you? Yeah, I'm going to agree. Um, I'm going to love it too. There's so many different, there's so many questions with Oklahoma, so many changes from top to bottom from the coaching staff all the way down to the personnel that um, that uh, Brent Venables has to his to work with, you know, this year and his coaching staff there. So, first year head coach in general, first year head coach, not just first year head coach at, at OU, first year head coach. A lot of personnel changes. I think Texas will have the edge against Oklahoma, which will give Steve Sarkeesian his first signature win as a head coach at Texas. There you have it, kids. There you have it. The flagship podcast for uh, this week. We are recording on Tuesday, August 23rd. We are less than two weeks from the start of the Longhorns football season. So get over to horns247.com for all the latest, the insider every Thursday morning. We've got uh, all of our recruiting scoop from Mike Roach and Hudson Standish. Of course, all the team coverage from Taylor, Jeff Howe and myself. 
So until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe and keep the faith. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.